o'clock on Saturday. One nice thing about doing public ministry in a country where they don't speak English is you're pretty sure they're cursing you and saying nasty things, but you don't know what they're saying. So it takes the, takes the sting out of it for sure. Except the one that guy that hit me. I knew what he meant. So. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter 3, we're moving into the B names. We're studying the names of Jesus. Took a couple of months to cover the A names. B names of Jesus. He's the beginning. Praise the Lord. He's the beloved son. He's the branch. He's the bread of God and the bread of life. He's the breaker. He's the brightness. He's the bridegroom. He's the bright and morning star. That's Jesus. Those are names the Bible gives to the Son of God. Revelation chapter 3. And oh, uh, by, by the way, uh, Lou said that he's got a number of things he put on the giveaway table back there that were his mother's, but there's a, a wheelchair and a walker back there. Where she's gone, they don't use those things. Praise God. they got no handicapped parking spaces on the streets of gold. What a blessing. And um, they don't have them in Moldova either. But, you <laughs> but where she's gone, she doesn't need those things anymore. So if, if you have need of them, they're, they're there in the back. All right, Revelation 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Beginning of the creation of God. Father, help us tonight as we study the Bible. Help us to get it right for your name's sake. Help us to believe it, that our lives might be blessed and be better as we walk in your light and live according to your truth. We thank you, God, for your promise to help us, to lead us, and to guide us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Job's Witnesses believe in Jesus, and the Mormons believe in Jesus. They don't believe He's God. And there are plenty of passages that are very clear on the deity of Christ, and then there's others that are very clear on the humanity of Christ. And if you emphasize one at the expense of the other, you'll end up unbalanced. You'll have Jesus as God, but you'll be confused about what happened when He was here on earth. Or you'll have Jesus as a man on the earth and be confused about Him being God eternally. And there are some, some passages that taken by themselves without the other statements uh, on the matter could lead to some confusion. If Jesus Christ is the beginning of the creation of God, if that's the only verse I had it could lead me to wonder if he was a created being. If he's the first thing or the first person that, that God created. But as we run the cross-references and we look at the other uh, portions of Scripture, we'll find out that what is in fact being set forth is that the creation began with Jesus Christ, who is God. He is the beginning of the creation, and as God, he created all things, and we'll see that as we look at the scriptures this evening. For example, John chapter number one. John chapter number one. First, Jesus as creator, 
and then the fact of creation. We'll take a quick look at both of them this evening. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now, some of the verses we're going to read tonight, you're going to, you're going to say, well, I know, I know those verses. Those verses are very familiar to me. Uh, that, that shouldn't be a reason to not enjoy a sermon or a Sunday school lesson or a Bible study. It should be cause for great rejoicing. If you'd seen people 75 and 80 years old holding in their hands for the first time in their life a Bible, a book forbidden them by their religion, you would rejoice to know that there are passages in the Bible that are so familiar to you, you don't even have to turn to look at them. What a thrill it is to have the preacher say, turn to John 1 and say, oh, I already know that. Don't, don't get over that. Don't abuse that glorious truth that you have the Bible and you've had it for so long and you've been in a, in a, in a right church for, for so many years that there are portions of the Scripture that are routine to you. There are people in this world that have never read a single page of the Bible. And what a blessing it is to have God's words in our hands. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now, there's a beginning. And there is a Word. But by the time we get to the beginning, the Word is already rendered in past tense. The Word was when the beginning took place. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if anything's clearly established in the first uh, 42 books of the Bible, first 43 books of the Bible, it's that there is only one God. So who is this Word who is both with God and who is God? The Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, you couldn't possibly read that properly and misunderstand what's being said. The subject all the way through is the Word. The subject is not God, though God is the Word. The subject is the Word who was with God and who is God. And the Bible says the Word is the one who made all things. And there was nothing made without the Word. So the Word who is God, the Word who was God, the Word who is with God, the Word who was, He already was, when the beginning came about, that Word is the Creator of all things. The creation began with Him. Now, look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the Creator of the heavens and the earth came to live upon the earth that He made in a body of human flesh. He's the Word, capital W. Now, here's an interesting thing. The, the liberals and the modernists and the, the infidels who don't believe the Bible's inerrant, they don't believe it's perfect, 
when they speak of Scripture, written Scripture, they put a capital W on it. Then they leave out verses and leave out words and put footnotes saying this verse shouldn't be there and this passage isn't in the originals as though they'd ever seen the originals. But they show this great reference, reverence for a Bible they attack and a Bible they criticize by putting a capital W on word. But then when they refer to Jesus, the word, they put a small w. Now in, in the Holy Bible, it's just the opposite. The Word is capital W because He's a person. And the Scripture is lowercase w because it's not a person. It's words on stone or tablets or vellum or scrolls and eventually on paper. So it's lowercase w is the word Scripture. Uppercase w is the word Jesus Christ. And when you, when you write it that way, uh, you know, put it in a book or something, these, these people who chop the Bible all to pieces will write you a little letter and say, uh, you're not showing respect for the Scripture. You didn't capitalize the Word. Look, if you, ha- if you hacked 1 John 5, 7 out of the Bible and the last half of Mark 16 out of the Bible, and half of John 8 out of the Bible, and Acts 8, 37 out of the Bible, and the blood of Jesus Christ out of the Bible, don't send me a letter about not reverencing the Word, because they didn't capitalize the W. That's the kind of stuff you deal with. So, the Word, capital W, He's with God, He is God, and God the Father gave God the Son authoritative power to create the heavens and the earth, and that's what He did. It began with Him. It's His. So, well, who is He to say how I have to get saved? He made it. Who is He to say that He's the only way to heaven? It's His heaven. It's His earth. (laughs) He makes the rules. All right, let's go to John 17. John chapter 17. He's the beginning of the creation of God. This explains why in the Old Testament scriptures in particular, God took such great offense at men worshiping the stars or the planets because they they are worshiping the works of God not the God who did the work. In the New Testament, the offense became even greater. They sank from worshiping the heavenly host to worshiping birds and then beasts and then man and then creeping things. And what an offense to God that people should worship what He made instead of worshiping the God who made them. The Bible says in Romans, they worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. This is why nature worship and animal worship and environmental worship and and turtle worship and sea cow worship and all the rest of that is such an offense to God. He's the beginning of the creation of God, and He's the one that speaks to the churches and says, Worship me. And and so, the Bible says, John 17, let's take a look. Verse 1, these words... Spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. 
And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, watch it. Glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. There was a time when there's nothing but God in His glory. And there was, when there was nothing but God in His glory, that God was the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. And Jesus said, before there was a world, I was with you. And I was in glory. And I, I availed that glory with a body of flesh to come down here and do a work that you asked me to do so these men could have eternal life. But as soon as this work's done, I'm going back up there to the glory that I had with you before any of this was made by me. What a blessing. Now, it explains a little bit, if you, if you understand that Jesus is the Creator, it explains something of His desire to redeem His creation. He's going to make a new heavens and new earth. He's going to restore this thing to its, uh, to its uh, pre-Adamite condition. He wants to save the race of the sons of man, and He'll do so. Why does the Lord have such a heart for this, for this earth and the people of this earth? He made them. They're His. You've got a far greater concern in fixing up what's yours that's broke than you do in fixing up somebody else's stuff that's broke. And so the Lord looks down on His creation. He's got a, a great love for it. It's the work of His hands and uh, made by His power and by His might. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Let's go there. Colossians chapter number 1. Where did God come from? He did not. Everything came from God. He's the starting place. You've got, you got people nowadays, they're, they're, they're kind of, a lot of them, they're starting to move away from evolution. And they're moving away from evolution, uh, many of them, the same way that a, that a drunkard moves away from alcohol. They, they adjust to a higher power. And many of them moving away from evolution because they know it doesn't hold up are pointing to a first cause or a, or an intelligent design. And like the like the uh, people you know sucking down cigarettes at the AA meeting, they know there's got to be something out there bigger than themselves. And the scientists, many of them, are realizing now there's got to be something out there bigger than themselves, but they can't come to the point where they're willing to call Him by His name. They're acknowledging there is a higher power. They're acknowledging this thing was built. It has a design. It has a mind and intelligence behind it. But they can't bring themselves to give honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ who created it. Because it would offend some of the people they're sitting in a circle with or offend some of the people they're on faculty with. And so they acknowledge there's something more than a great accident here. And they acknowledge there's something more than chance here. But they can't bring themselves to proclaim the name of the Lord. I'm happy to say tonight 
when I had no more than a second grade education, I believed God made it. And when I was, you know, really cruising with a high school diploma, I believe Jesus Christ made it. And when he put a college degree in my hand, I still believe Jesus Christ made it. And if I get in a crowd or in a circle that doesn't believe that, I'm certainly not going to deny him to court their favor. You believe in intelligent design? I'll tell you who that intelligent designer is. It's Jesus Christ. You believe in a first cause? I'll tell you who caused it from the first. It's Jesus Christ. He's the beginning of the creation of God. You know what he said in his word? If you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. I, wouldn't want, I don't want to blush when I speak the name of Jesus. Blush when I speak my own name, but not His. Hang my head when I talk about my works, but lift it high when I talk about His. He's a creator. Colossians chapter number 1. The Bible says, well, if we're going to get the sentence, we've got to go way back. This is one of those they couldn't diagram on the blackboard because the blackboard wasn't big enough. Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Hallelujah. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, praise God, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He's already done that for me. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you visit tonight, we're glad you're here. Uh, my wife tells me sometimes, said, you sound angry. I, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm just speaking forcefully, trying to get something across to you. It's hard to get people to listen nowadays and pay attention. So you shake them up a little bit and make them a little nervous. It's kind of like driving down the highway. You know, somebody going 75 miles an hour, they're not paying any attention. But something jumps out in the way, and all of a sudden they're, they're focused. So God put me in the world to jump out in your way and get you to grab the wheel and pay attention for a minute. But if you're visiting tonight, if, you have, if the book that you have in your lap doesn't have the words, through His blood, in verse 14, the person who recommended that book to you is either unlearned or deceived. Because you can't be redeemed without a price being paid for your redemption. So in the, if you've got a modern Bible that just says, in whom we have redemption... You can't have redemption unless you pay the price to redeem what you're hoping to redeem. So, if you take out through His blood, not only is it wrong, it doesn't even make any sense. Well, how much is that? It's $500. Well, I want to redeem it. You got $500? No, I got an NIV. Well, if you don't have the 500 bucks, you can't redeem it. It costs $500. What's the price for your soul? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't have the blood, you can't get redeemed. So, you know, so, well, you're attacking my Bible. I'm not attacking your Bible. I'm, I'm just telling you that you bought a car without an engine. 
Now, if you were about to pay a man several thousand dollars for a car, and I walked up and said, don't buy that car, it doesn't have an engine in it, you'd say, wow, thank you. He was about to rip me off. But when I walk up to you and say, you need to get rid of that Bible, it doesn't have Jesus' blood in it, the proper response would be, wow, thank you for telling me that. I was about to spend my life reading a book. It didn't have the engine in it. So don't, don't be offended. Be appreciative. You went, you know, Lauren down there making sandwiches at the firehouse. You doing that? You still doing that? And you saw I want a meatball sub, and she gave you a slice of bread. You said, where's the meatballs? Well, don't, don't be criticizing my sandwich. It's just as good as yours. Look, if it doesn't have meatballs in it, it's not a meatball sub. If it doesn't have through his blood in it, it doesn't have redemption. Because you've got to gotta pay the price to be redeemed. That's a funny thing. It's the only thing you, you tell people and get angry about. Here's your paycheck. I left out two zeros. Wow, thanks for pointing that out. I hadn't noticed it. But when you show people what these guys have left out of these modern Bibles, they get offended. I don't understand that. I really don't. Maybe it's because they spent $60,000 to get a degree from a school that gave them one of those Bibles, and they'd be hard to admit you blew all that money. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Anyway, that wasn't what we're supposed to be talking about. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God. Now, watch, here again. Here's one of those verses of J.W.'s have trouble with. They drop their briefcase and trip right over them. <laughs> Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So they say, well, that means that Jesus is a creature and He was born and, and He's the first one to be born. But, but look at verse 16. For by Him were all things created. If He created all things, then He's not created. He is the federal head. The firstborn in a family is the heir. The firstborn in the family is the authority figure. The firstborn in the family has the legal right to be the lawgiver and the administrator. Jesus Christ is the federal head of the creation of God because He created it. He's not part of the creation. He's the firstborn. That's his status within the creation. He's the creator. By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. See that? And by him all things consist. He didn't just make it. He holds it together. Now, what you can see with your eye, Jesus made it. And as time goes on, there's things you didn't used to be able to see with your eye that now you can see with your eye. Bigger telescopes, finer microscopes. And now they got down where they're seeing all these novas, supernovas, and and quasars, and all this stuff out in the solar system. Jesus made all that. And he made the empty place in between. And you get down to that microscope, and here's the proton and the neutron and the electron and the, and the, uh, you know, the quark and the, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Whatever else is in there that you haven't seen yet, they'll get another microscope in ten years, they'll see something else in there. Jesus made all that. And He made the spaces in between it. And He holds it all together by the word of His power. 
And if you don't believe that, Second Peter says, one day he's going to say, I'm done with it. And the elements will melt with a fervent heat at the word from the mouth of Jesus Christ. He made it. He holds it all together. It's his. It's his. Now, if he has a right to run a planet because he made it, shouldn't he have the right to run you? So to me, that's not unreasonable. I, I understand we live in a generation that is so deified self that if a preacher preaches and a congregation believes that the one who created you has a right to run you, it's legalism. They're a cult. It just seems to me if you make a batch of cookies, if you want to eat them, you're entitled to eat them. If you want to give them to your friends, you're entitled to give them to your friends. If you want to store them in the fridge, they're yours. You made them. They're your cookies. If Jesus Christ made everything in this creation, doesn't he have some say over what you do? I, it just boggles my mind, this generation, man, uh, just... Uh, of rebels. That's all they are, just rebels. I'll let Jesus save me, but he's not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> he can make me, he can give me a new birth, and he can keep me and take me to heaven, but he's not going to interfere with my life. I don't understand that. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I just, I, I don't think it's inappropriate at all for God to want to run my life. I think I'd probably do a better job of it than me. Most people I see that won't let God run their life and they say they want to run it, they really, they really ought to change because what they're just running it right in the ground. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Woo-hoo. How about that? Now, He not only made the heaven and the earth, He made the heavens and the earth. He not only made the heavens and the earth, He made the worlds. So what's that? I don't know. Who do you think that is? I'm not sure. But if you ever find anybody else out there somewhere, He made them. And whatever they're doing, they belong to Him. Now this might be the world that then was overthrown with the flood that perished. This might be the world that was before Christ died on the cross, the end of the world. This might be the present evil world. But look, whatever system of government and administration and operation and culture, wherever you find it, from one end of the universe to the other, Jesus Christ made it. No evolution, no dust clouds, no big bangs, none of that. He made it. All of it. Every bit of it. All right. Psalm number 8. Old Testament. Psalm number 8. And there's only one God. 
There's not a Kolob God and a Bicycle Boy God and a Mormon Elder God. Brother Basile was telling me the, um, the keynote speaker at the Mormon convention this October, International Convention, Mormons, keynote speaker, is going to be a Mormon telling them they need to embrace sodomites. I hope to live and die without ever embracing a sodomite. <laughs> or being embraced by a sodomite. But anyway, you, that, that's a weird thing, man. I mean, their whole religion is, if you, if you do good enough, you get to go have your own planet one day and keep making babies until you populate the planet. How are two sodomites going to populate a planet? That's, that's weird, isn't it? Now, now let's hear what happened. This, this your government, your tax dollars at work. Several months ago, I think it was uh, January, Joe Biden, you ever heard of him? Joe Biden, that's, that's your vice president. The State Department sent $200 million to Moldova to pave the road from the airport to where Biden was going to make a speech so he wouldn't have to ride on a bumpy road. They flew five SUVs over there for his security team. And so they got off the airplane, unloaded the SUVs, drove to this place to make a speech. And his speech was, your vice president, his speech was, if Moldova wants to get to the European Union, they need to, to recognize homosexuals. That's your vice president. That's why the world calls us the great Satan. Because if you ever got away from American TV for about six months and then turned it back on, you'd realize what a hold the devil has on his nation. So anyway, they couldn't find any sodomites in Moldova to have prayed. So they rounded some up from other parts of Europe and flew them in there and put them on a bus and they're going to bus them in to have a, a sodomite parade so Joe Biden can wave to them and, and the CNN cameras can show the world how enlightened Moldova is because now they have sodomites marching in parades. The mayor of the city hired men to line the streets and stone the bus with rocks as it drove in from the airport. And the sodomites never got off the bus. Biden makes his speech. He drives out to the airport. He flies away. The sodomites try to go to the airport on the bus. The townspeople run them off the road, take them off the bus, and beat them up. And said, don't come back. So when you go over there from America and stand there with a Bible in your hand and try to give it to somebody... They curse you and say, we don't need you over here to tell us about God. Because they see what our government sends them. MTV, music videos, Joe Biden, sodomites, and that's, that's what they think we are. So anyway, that's... Um, so I'm standing out there giving out these John Romans. They get this underground walkway, and these four boys come by with white shirts and blue pants and little blue name tags. And they said, hey, uh, where are you guys from? And Brother Paul told them, and they said, he said, where are you from? They said, California, someplace like that. And they started to leave. I said, wait a minute. Where are you going? And they said, well, we, we, we've got some places to go. I said, you don't have any place to go. Where are you going? 
And they, they, they just started for me. They stopped and looked at me. And I said, uh, tell me something. Have you boys done all that you can do? And, and one of them said, big tall face, said, what do you mean? I said, you are taught that the way for you to have eternal life is that you believe in Jesus and you're saved by grace after you've done all that you can do. I said, have any of you four boys done all you can do? And one of them said, well, well yeah. I said, no, you haven't. Because you came all the way over here to tell people about your Mormon religion. I'm the first person you've seen in a week that speaks your language. And you're going to walk right by me. So none of you has done the best that you can do. Have you? So now how are you going to get saved? The guy said, well, there's more to it than that. I said, it doesn't matter how much more to it there is. You haven't done number one. Doesn't matter what the other ten steps are. You didn't take the first one. You're doomed, man. The guy said, well, well what, do you, what do you think? I said, well, it don't matter what I think. And I, I rattle off about 15 verses on salvation by grace. And, and uh, three of them started to leave. I said, where are you boys going? Aren't you, aren't you supposed to do all you can do? Come on, right now, one of you, one of you, quote me one verse from the Book of Mormon about salvation. Just one. They looked at each other, two of them left. And the other one's tugging on the guy's shoulder, said, come on, come on, we got to go. I said, you don't got to go, you're lying. You want to go. You don't got to go anywhere. And the guy said, he said, well, I'll have you to know, we saved up our money and we came over here to spend two years as a missionary. And I said, I'm, I'm sure that the God who created the heavens and the earth is wowed by you coming over here and walking past people that speak your language for two years and doing nothing for their souls. Big deal. said, after two years are over, you're going to go back and get a job and watch TV and football the rest of your life. So what good is it? Come on, there's a creator. And it's not you. And you're not ever going to be a creator. And you're not going to have your own planet and be your own God or the rest of that. There's one God, Jesus Christ, created all things, heavens and the earth. Now, here's the amazing part. Psalm 8. You say, that's not like you criticizing somebody's religion. Absolutely, all day long. All day long. I criticize bad food. I criticize bad dress styles. I criticize bad drivers. I criticize bad weather. Why wouldn't I criticize bad religion? Psalm 8. What kind of church is this? Oh, it's just a Bible church. It's, it's uniquely different. You ought, to, you ought to try it. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? God made it, and we're amazed that He would step down out of all that glory 
to visit us and bring us salvation. Hallelujah. Micah, chapter number 5. Little Old Testament book, Micah, chapter number 5. Oh, those Mormon boys, he said, well, you're not, you're not doing all you can do. I said, I don't have to. I'm washing the blood of Jesus Christ. My sins are forgiven. I got eternal life right now. He said, nobody can have eternal life right now. I said, nobody in your religion can. I've got it. Right now, through Jesus, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him. I've done that. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. I have it. You have it? I'm not trying to get it. I have it. Praise God. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Micah chapter 5. Micah 5, verse number 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Now who was born in Bethlehem that came forth to be ruler in Israel? That's Jesus Christ. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Look at that. In the manger, a body formed in Mary's womb became the residence of the Son of God. He's lived, He's existed from everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. That's our Savior. All right, one more. Psalm 42. No, Isaiah 42. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, verse number 5. Thus saith God, the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out. Well, then He's bigger than they are. He that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. Verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Praise the Lord. I have a creator. Do you have a creator? That creator is my savior. Look at, look at Isaiah 40 while we're here. I said one more, but we're right here in the neighborhood. Isaiah 40. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who had directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor had taught him. With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. That's God. The oceans... I don't suppose we can think of anything other than the sky 
as vast as the oceans. The Bible said God measured them out in the hollow of His hand. He stretched out the heavens. That's a mighty big God. Now, two points, and we'll be on our way. First of all, if, if there was a devil, and if there was a God, let's just, just for a minute, just suppose there's a God and there's a devil. You say, I'm not sure. Just suppose for a minute, there's a God and there's a devil who opposes him. And that God wants you to spend eternity with him. The devil wants you to burn forever in hell. Just suppose that's true. Your grandparents all believed it. Let's suppose, let's suppose that's true. If you could, if you're the devil, if you could do one thing to ensure the maximum number of people went to hell, that one thing would be to, to get them to believe there was no creator. Evolution is his masterpiece. All this crime and violence and killing and, and, and filth you got out there, all of that is the fruit of the tree called evolution. See, when I was growing up, when dad wasn't watching and mom wasn't watching, God was watching. Now, now you got a bunch of animals out there, that's what they think they are, animals, and there's nobody watching them. So it's completely out of control. It's evolution. You try to tell people about Jesus, they don't even believe there's a God. They think they're just animals, they're going to rot in the dust of the ground. So that's, that's the devil's masterpiece. I'm telling you, if you ever want to be saved, if you ever want to go to heaven, you die. Before you ever believe in Jesus, you're going to have to believe in a creator. In the beginning, God. You've got to start there. You don't, believe, you don't believe God created all this, you'll never get saved. So that's the devil's masterpiece. Second, these, these verses, as, as fundamental as they are and as basic as they are, I want to say this, and I, I don't want to sound harsh and uncaring, because I do care. I really do. We had a funeral yesterday, went to cemetery, reminded of other funerals that we've had. The people here got family troubles, I know that. There's people here got health troubles, I know that. But if in the midst of all that trouble, you could just take some time to think about the Creator, the incredible magnitude of His power, the incredible display of His majesty, the incredible permanence of His eternity, and then think that that Creator has given you His life. His life. What a different perspective that puts on those tombstones. What a different perspective that puts on those tears you shed last night over the troubles in your home or your family or your body. You've got life from God 
who is outside the bounds of time and has been for all eternity. And he's going to take you, whether it's in, in at five years of age or 85 years of age, or whether it's through an easy life or a life of hardship, he's going to take you out of this vapor of a moment of time on this earth and take you into his glorious eternity. It'll help you. Just the, just the most basic truth. God is the creator. Before there was sun and moon and stars and time. Before there was sin and tears and sorrow and broken backs and broken homes and broken friendships and torn up churches. God was out there in His glory. And in a blink of an eye all this will be gone. And God will still be out there in His glory. If you're saved, you'll be with Him. Lou's mother out there and some of your loved ones. My dad, my grandparents, all of them are saying, they're not, she's she's not, wow, I feel better. She doesn't feel better because she doesn't remember feeling bad. I'm so much happier now. She's not happier now. There's no point of comparison. She's just happy. She's not happier. She's happy. And it's not, wow, I hope this lasts. Man, you, you have a Sunday where you find out 300 people got saved the night before. You watch somebody get saved in church Sunday morning. You watch two people get saved Sunday afternoon. You drive to another city, see new Christians gather to start a church. You see somebody get saved there. And within 10 hours, you're dealing with knuckleheads in an airport in Washington, D.C., all of whom are getting paid way more money than they're worth. And who aren't doing a thing to help anybody because they can't get fired. And it's just the best day in the world is followed by a rotten one. You're going to a place where you don't have to hope this lasts. Because it's all there is. The glory of God and the love of God and the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was looking day through some pictures, trying to find some things, sure, men in the Bible school. And, man, here's a mission trip to Honduras. Here's a preaching trip to a festival in Missouri. Here's a bunch of guys standing on the street corners in San Francisco, year after year after year of people standing up for Jesus Christ and winning people the Lord. And in every one of those pictures are people who hate my guts. In every one of those pictures are people who have tried to ruin our church. In every one of those pictures are people who are, who are eyeball deep in the world out there ruining their lives. The best pictures from the best days of our lives bring sweet memories and heartache all at the same time. The Creator is going to fix all that. And he's up there dwelling in that glory where he was with the Father before the world began. And one day he's going to get rid of all this dump. Make it all over again. And we'll be out there with him forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. And And whatever troubles you had down here for a few years will be all forgotten. Praise God. We need in our heads to have the knowledge that God's the Creator. We need in our hearts to have the faith that God's the creator. 
We also need to sit and meditate on what that means. I'm just here for a little while, but eternity. What a grand eternity is waiting. The sons of God. Praise the Lord. All right, Father, we thank you.